Hi, I'm Sophia Tanoli from HSF's Head Office Advisory Team, and welcome to Reporting for Duties. Reporting for Duties is our limited podcast series aiming to provide bite-sized insights on corporate reporting and ESG throughout the main Australian reporting season. In this episode, we have Quentin Digby, Hannah Frankel, Stephanie Hill, and myself reporting for duty. Our topic for discussion today is, is there a future for the ASX corporate governance principles? Before we get into it, though, I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we meet today, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation in Sydney and the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation in Melbourne, and I pay my respects to their elders, both past and present. Thanks, Sophia. Uh, Hannah Frankel speaking here. We are recording this podcast today on the 27th of June, 2023, and it's been a pretty busy morning here at HOAP because the uh, new ISB, ISSB standards uh, were issued late last night, um, Australian time, which we've been eagerly anticipating. And it's exciting because they'll help provide a comprehensive global baseline of sustainability related disclosures. And just a few hours ago, a bit like clockwork, the Australian government has announced that it expects to introduce new mandatory reporting requirements, which will likely commence from 1 July 2024, which will have a broad alignment to these international climate disclosure standards of the ISSB. So there's a lot changing in the ESG reporting world and for us in HOAT and for most of our clients in Australia, it's really the ASX corporate governance principles and recommendations that have long been regarded as a fundamental framework for corporate governance in Australia. So with all this mandatory climate change and sustainability related reporting under the ISSB standards and the proliferation of other emerging frameworks that cover corporate governance principles as well. There's a lot of conversation and chatter and some critics are questioning the continued utility of the ASX corporate governance principles and recommendations. And in particular, whether it remains appropriate that they include ESG related recommendations. So in this hot take, we're gonna consider the overlap between the ASX corporate governance principles and recommendations and other reporting governance frameworks and consider the merits um, of arguments for streamlining the ASX principles and recommendations. So in Australia, as it currently stands, disclosure on governance processes, controls, procedures in relation to sustainability and climate related risks and opportunities are really scattered across a number of sources, including ASX corporate governance principles. And as many of you know, they have um, a specific recommendation, recommendation 7.4, that encourages entities to consider and report on any material exposure to environmental or social risks and how they intend to manage those risks. Then there's also the new ISSB global standards and the task force on climate related financial disclosures, also known as TCFD, which many of our clients benchmark themselves against. And then there's also a few others, such as the task force on nature related financial disclosures, also known as TNFD, and the global reporting initiative, often referred to as GRI standard. And then let's not forget other Australian regulators that have increased guidance and encouragement to disclose on climate risk. For example, there's now um, a dedicated ASIC regulatory guide that requires disclosure on ESG risks and APRA has also a change and financial risk. So that's quite a lot to contend with. 
All right, so we've got quite a bit of overlap there. So before we go and move on and look at the other uh, climate and ESG reporting frameworks and how they overlap, perhaps it's time to ask a question I've really been burning to ask Quinton Digby. Quinton, um, really interested in your views about whether or not you think that the ASX corporate governance principles overall continue to have any utility. And I guess less controversially, if you think that they need to continue to include recommendation 7.4, which covers ESG risks when ESG disclosures is such a saturated market. It's a good question, Hannah. On the first one, I think absolutely they have um, continued utility. And it's partly because it's there's a little circularity with ESG, G being the governance. But actually, I look at the ESG disclosure as being a very small subset of governance in the way the ASX Corporate Governance Council is looking at the whole issue of governance. If you look at the principles, they're dealing primarily with independence of directors, board composition, board committee composition. That is governance in its purest sense in a corporate governance perspective, but it has nothing to do with sustainability. You know, it, it's yes, it's the G and ESG, but it's completely outside of, if you think about it, some of the new disclosure standards, et cetera. So there is still uh, a really important role for the principles generally. Recommendation 7.4, um, that's a different kettle of fish because you know, the, the reason why there have been four editions of the ASX Corporate Governance Council guidelines is the situation keeps evolving. And um, 7.4 in one sense was leading the way when it was introduced because you didn't have uh, the same level of rigour that now, you know, regrettably in some senses is being prescribed through um, standards and in, in effect law that will become uh, a legal disclosure obligation. Uh, I think the drafts or the council, when it considers its fifth recommend, uh, fifth edition, which it's doing currently, will need to reflect on whether 7.4 should remain. Um, I'd probably say no. You know, that's now going to be so covered by prescription, uh, but then so is disclosure of executive remuneration, and yet they still have a provision in there. Now, there's probably room to uh, move it out. Uh, but for the principles generally, have they become obsolete? Absolutely not. They're still going to be um, a pretty critical document and guidelines for uh, a lot of our listed company clients. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense, although it is a big source of contention about whether or not you know, the remuneration um, aspects of the corporate governance um, recommendations and now the climate ones are really going to just become, you know, they don't really have much utility because, yeah, our clients are really looking to the prescribed uh, legal recommend, uh, requirements that they have to meet more than the ASX recommendations in that area. It definitely is, Hannah. I think because the ASX corporate governance principles and recommendations are one of the main standards for listed companies, perhaps it's good to start there for our discussion. Uh, a quick background, I'm sure many of you will know that the fourth edition of the ASX corporate governance principles and recommendations were released in February 2019. 
And we understand that the ASX is planning to consult shortly regarding an updated version, version 5. This makes it an opportune time to look at the ASX corporate governance principles and consider their, their continued utility. Many of our clients are very familiar with the ASX corporate governance principles and recommendations. They cover a wide range of corporate governance matters to address issues around culture, value and trust. So I guess the big question is, where does ESG risk come in? As Hannah has mentioned, uh, recommendation 7.4 encourages entities to consider and report on any material exposure to environmental or social risk and how they intend to manage those risks. Recommendation 7.4 was expanded to make specific reference to environmental risks relating to climate change. The commentary on recommendation 7.4, of course, encourages disclosure by reference to the TCFD framework. The TCFD framework requires disclosure on governance around climate related risks and opportunities. So the TCFD framework requires disclosure on governance around climate related risks and opportunities. The TCFD framework also includes government governance as one of its four thematic areas. However, it does not touch on the broader environmental or social risks. The commentary on recommendation 7.4 also states that an entity that publishes a report in accordance with a recognised international standard, such as the GRI standard, which Hannah has touched on, may meet the re recommendation by cross-referencing to that report. The GRI GRI standard um, in comparison to the TCFD framework actually does cover environmental and social factors. Therefore, a report in accordance with the GRI standard satisfies recommendation 7.4 and potentially makes it redundant. Sophia, do you want to just talk us through a little bit more about some of the other overlaps? Yeah, I thought this could be a good segue to perhaps discuss some overlap specifically with recommendation 7.4 and other frameworks. So as Hannah mentioned, there's a number of other ESG frameworks. So I thought I'd quickly touch on the TNFD recommendations and the recently released ISSB standards. So the TNFD framework covers governance around nature-related dependencies, impacts, risks, and opportunities. Unlike the TCFD framework previously mentioned, the TNFD framework is not explicitly referred to in the ASX corporate governance principles. Similar to the TCFD framework though, the TNFD framework includes governance as one of its thematic areas, which includes describing the board's oversight of nature-related dependencies, impacts, risks and opportunities, and management's role in assessing and managing those. So the TNFD framework therefore provides further detail on the management of nature-related risks, which would fall into the management of environmental risks required to be disclosed by recommendation 7.4 but it doesn't touch on the management of broader social risks. So there's a little bit of difference there. And then last but not least, we have our ISSB standards. These go beyond, I guess, just climate and social nature specific risks to a really broad sustain sustainability related disclosure. So we have IFRS S1, and this is more general. It provides a set of disclosure requirements designed to enable companies to communicate to investors about sustainability-related risks and opportunities. 
And then we have IFRS S2, which is more specific, and it sets out specific climate-related disclosures which are to be used with IFRS S1. Both of these fully incorporate the recommendations of the TCFD. And so, as I've mentioned, ISSB covers sustainability-related risks and opportunities. This is a bit of an undefined concept and therefore may cover any of the E, S or G category, which clearly overlaps with but is broader than um, Recommendation 7.4, which speaks of environmental and social risks. Great. Thank you for that, everyone. Some really interesting discussions there. Um, thank you for everyone that joined us in the discussions today. This was Quinton Digby, Hannah Frankel, Sophia Tonoli, and Stephanie Hill reporting for duty. In the spirit of reconciliation, Herbert Smith Freehills acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea, and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Herbert Smith Freehills. For more episodes, please go to our channel on iTunes, Spotify or SoundCloud and visit our website, herbertsmithfreehills.com for more insights relevant to your business.